Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If this is your first time joining us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. If you fill out that short form online for us as a way of saying thank you, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed. Well, we're in our second week of our teaching series, Focus on the Family, and we're breaking down family dynamics and answering the question, how do we build strong, healthy, stable families? families. A few years ago, there was a research firm that found that seven of 10 families said that the one thing they wanted more than anything, aside from money, of course, right, for their family was, was stability. See, families, you know, they're, they're complex, they're messy. But instead of running from the complexity and the mess, I want to challenge you, let God work in it. He can build strong, healthy, stable families in your life. Our theme verse for this series comes straight out of the Psalms. Psalm 127.1 says this, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. We spent time last week working through some very important foundational keys to having a healthy marriage. And the most important key, however, is to build your marriage with Christ at the center. That's going to guarantee a strong, healthy, stable marriage. Marriages without Christ, they, they can become just very toxic and they can cause a lot of harm. But of course, other relationships within your family, they can become toxic as well and cause harm in your life. See, we can't build stable families if we haven't dealt with those relationships and those conflicts and the hurt that they can bring. And so I just wonder today, like how many of you guys watching and listening would be honest enough to say, hey, I've got some deep hurts. I have some pains that few people know about and I can't really bring myself to move on from them. I haven't experienced the healing that I need in my life. I think the most difficult conflicts for us to resolve and heal from are those wounds which were inflicted by people within our families. Maybe you had a parent walk out on you. Uh, maybe a brother or sister deeply betrayed you and you just haven't spoken to them in years. Or there's always a, a fight whenever you get around each other. Some of us, you know, we have some pretty deep hurts and pains that nobody knows about, like being abandoned by your family. How do you even reconcile that? You know, not being wanted by a parent or not being wanted by somebody you were close to and deeply cared about within your family unit. Some of you, you you've, you've been abused, right? You've maybe even molested by a family member and, and you've carried that burden, that pain, and that shame for your entire life. Whatever it is, we've all experienced pain inflicted from our family members and not all of us have healed from that. Now why? Is, why have we not moved on and healed? Could it be we haven't walked a road of forgiveness and reconciliation with the very family members who deeply wronged and hurt us? And if that's the case, then how do we get to a place where we can forgive them so we can experience the healing that we so desperately need in our lives? I want to take you today to one of the most dysfunctional families in Scripture. There is so much toxicity, so much division in this family. They actually conspire to kill one of their own, and his name was Joseph. Now, I can guarantee you, Joseph carried a lot of deep hurt and a lot of pain with him for, for many years. But his actions show us how it's possible to forgive our families and experience healing. 
And now we're going to come back and walk through his story later more, you know, in, in, in the fall in more detail. But for today, uh, I want to pick up at the end of his story. So Genesis chapter 50, verse number 14. After burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. Look at verse number 16. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say, uh, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of God, of your father, we beg you to forgive our sin. And when Joseph received the message, he broke down and he wept. And then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said to him. Look how it ends right here in verse number 19. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of so many people. And so don't be afraid. I'll continue to take care of you and your children. And so we treasured them and reassured them by speaking kindly to them. If you're not familiar with the story, Joseph's a very powerful person at this point. In fact, only Pharaoh is higher than Joseph in Egypt, okay? But he didn't get to this position by choice. It was through a series of events which began when he was 17 years old. So at the time, Joseph's brothers really hated him. They hated his guts, man. They, their hatred grew when their father Jacob had given him a special robe. Now, it wasn't the robe that spurred the jealousy. It's what the robe symbolized. Joseph was like likely the heir apparent to the largest share of his father's wealth, and the robe kind of sealed that deal. And what made this so unusual was that he was the 11th of 12 sons. Normally, the largest share of the inheritance goes to the oldest, and each son after that gets a smaller and smaller share. So you can kind of see why the jealousy would have kicked in and been building among his older brothers for quite some time. Jo Jacob's 12 sons came from four different women as well. So that's, that's kind of, like that by itself is enough to cause division, right? Most of his sons were pretty shady guys. Um, just kind of give us some examples. Like we read about Reuben. He sleeps with Bilhah, which is his father's concubine uh, in Genesis 35. Simeon and Levi, they slaughter all the men in a town called Shechem, Genesis 34. Uh, and not to be outdone, Judah hooks up with a woman he thinks is a prostitute, but is actually his own widowed daughter-in-law. <laughs> and that's, that's wild. So I, no matter what dysfunction you think your family has, it don't top this one, okay? So Joseph's brothers, they sell him as a slave to traders in Egypt. But because God's hand is on Joseph's life, he goes from slave to prisoner to what's essentially the prime minister of the nation. And he's responsible for making sure the people of Egypt survive this intense seven-year famine. Over 20 years later, from the events that led to him being sold as a slave, his brothers find themselves in his court seeking to buy grain for their families. So put yourself, you know, like in Joseph's shoes for a moment, all right? So you're Joseph, okay? You've suffered as a slave and a prisoner for 13 years because your brothers first tried to kill you, and then they chose, well, we won't kill him. Let's just make him a slave instead. They stole over a decade of your life from you. 
Like this is the moment you would exact revenge, right? Like this is the moment you've been waiting for all these years. And so Joseph chooses a different path. Instead of paying back his brothers wrong, he makes the hard decision to forgive. And I say it's hard because you know, if you or I were in this position, I, I, I bet we'd be like the Count of Monte Cristo. We'd be exacting revenge, you know? There's a lot of pain and suffering to endure, yet Joseph chooses forgiveness. And I think choosing to forgive, particularly when dealing with deep hurts and family hurts, is really difficult. But if we want to reach a place of healing in our lives, we have to forgive. So where do we start? Where do we, where, where, where do we start? Well, the first step is simply this. Pray for those who hurt us. Pray for those who hurt you. Right? We don't actually see Joseph pray for his brothers in the story, but we know that God's favor was on his life. We know that Joseph was in tune with God and close to God. And I think it's very safe to say that we cannot be as close to the Lord as Joseph appears to have been and not be somebody of prayer, right? So in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus tells us to pray for those who've harmed us. Matthew 5 verse 43 says, You've heard the law that says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So I know praying for the family who hurts you sounds really simple to do, almost like too easy to do, especially if you've been a Christian for a pretty long time. But for many, it's, it's a struggle, right? I mean, it just in fact, you may not even be able to recount the last time you actually prayed for the family member who hurts you because it just cuts too deep. You can't forget what they did. You can't bring yourself to pray for them, to desire something good to happen to them. Like, you know what they did. You know how that felt. But praying for those who harm you is vitally important. There's a reason that Jesus tells us to do this. In fact, it's really nearly impossible to consistently, that's kind of the key here, consistently pray for somebody and actually hate them at the same time. I mean, it's, it's tough at first, for sure. Like, the best you might be able to do is kind of get their name out, maybe utter, you know, like, okay, God help them, amen, <laughs> something like that. But the more you pray, the easier it becomes, and the more you become empathetic and even compassionate towards the person who wronged you. And so at times you may feel like your prayers, they're not really changing anything or anybody, but the truth is your prayers may not change that person who hurts you, but they'll change you. They'll, they'll, they'll change your heart. They'll change your attitude towards those who inflicted harm on your life. And so take note of this today if, if, you're, if you're doing that. Right attitude precedes right action. I've got to let my heart change before I ever get close to doing the right thing. So if I want to experience healing, I have to forgive. And if I'm going to forgive, I have to start by praying for the person who hurt me. If you wait until you feel better, you know, until you feel ready, you're never going to take that important first step. And I think that's why Christ goes on to say it's important that we actually do this first before anything else. Again, Matthew 6, 14. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Our prayers for forgiveness and and they invite God to forgive our own sin. 
the fact Jesus says that forgiveness is so serious, we shouldn't even come to God and worship until we've reached out and reconciled with the other person who has a conflict with us. Matthew 5, 23. So if you're presenting a sacrifice to the altar in the temple and suddenly you remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice, leave your worship, essentially, right? Right there and go and be reconciled to that person. Then come back and offer your sacrifice to God. So in other words, fix that issue with them, then come back and worship the Lord. Have you prayed for the person who harmed you? Have you prayed for the parent who abused you? Have you prayed for the person who deeply betrayed you? Have you prayed for the individual whose actions caused untold division and harm in your family? The first step to healing and forgiveness begins when we pray for the very ones who harmed us. And once we've begun praying for that person who caused so much harm, we have to take the next step and bless that individual. You have to bless them. So to bless simply means to speak well of. Did you know that? It means that you're not going to let a curse come out of your mouth about the person who hurts you. You're not going to say something bad about them privately or publicly that's very negative. You're not going to speak ill of this person. Now, I know that's really hard to do. Like, how do you withhold speaking even negatively of a, a, a family member who caused such immense emotional and physical and even mental trauma? But Jesus says in Luke 6, 27, 28, this right here, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who hurt you. There's a moment in Joseph's story it involves uh, taking place, well, it involves Genesis 45, where he reveals his identity to his brothers. So nobody's in the room. It's just Joseph and his brothers, and he has a chance right here to put them in prison, to, 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 to execute them. He has that kind of power. It's his opportunity to tell them how wrong they were, how they deserve the punishment and pain they're about to get. He had every right by our standards to curse his brothers, but instead, of lashing out in anger, and Joseph, he, he breaks down. That verse number two says he wept so loudly, Pharaoh and his officials could hear it. And then watch what he says to his brothers, verse number three. Joseph spoke this to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father really still alive? But his brothers couldn't say a word. They were speechless. They couldn't believe what they were seeing and hearing. Come closer to me, Joseph said. And they came closer. I'm Joseph, your brother whom you sold into Egypt. But don't feel so badly. Don't blame yourselves for something. God was behind it. God sent me here ahead of you to save lives. There's been a famine in the land now for two years. That famine will continue for five more years, neither plowing nor harvesting. And so God sent me on ahead to pave the way and make sure there was a remnant in the land to save your lives in an amazing act of deliverance. Verse number seven. So you see, it wasn't you who sent me here, but God. He sent me to this place as a father to Pharaoh, put me in charge of his personal affairs, and made me ruler over all of Egypt. Joseph chose not to curse his brothers. He didn't yell at them. He didn't speak negatively. He didn't, he didn't criticize them. He doesn't put them into prison or execute them, though he has that kind of power to do that. Instead, he took the opportunity to let his brothers know, hey, this was all God. 
Like you thought you were sending me here, but it was God who sent me here. Everything you did to me was part of God's plan for my life. It was God's way of pulling me towards his plan for my life. And because of that, I'm able to save your lives. I mean, you want to talk about a turn of events? His brothers, we read it earlier, they were left speechless. No one does that kind of thing, right? I mean, no one does that. Like People speak negatively about others who harm them all the time. They make sure others know just how badly they were hurt and just how wrong you know, those people were. But not Joseph. He didn't do that. You can read the story in its entirety in Genesis chapter 37 all the way through chapter 50, and not once are you going to find Joseph speaking ill about his brothers. Not once is Joseph hoping something bad happens to them because of their sin. I, I don't think you know, this moment right here in Genesis 45 happens without Joseph's decision to not hold this wrong and this pain against his brothers to begin with. The start of his family's reconciliation began not in this moment, but in all the other moments where Joseph chose to bless instead of curse his family. And our, our, both our opening passage in Genesis 50 and the one we just read, we see that Joseph, he, he chose to do good to those who hurt him. Not once does he take matters into his own hands. He reassures his brothers he'll be the one who takes care of them. He'll ensure their families are cared for when he had every reason in the world not to do so. Like Joseph gives his brothers something that they really needed but didn't have, and that was life. They'd be dead with the water, in the water without him. It was the ultimate act of doing good in the face of evil. Look at what God's word says about doing good to those who hurt us. Romans 12, 17. Never pay back evil for, for evil, right? Do things in such a way that everyone can see you as honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everybody. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I'll take revenge. I'll pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, you should feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you're going to heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but you conquer evil by doing good. You see how we're to leave room for God's judgment like Romans tells us that our role is to focus on doing good, while God's role is to exact justice. And that one line right there, that you'll heap burning coals on their head, that doesn't mean you're making that person angry by doing good. That back in the first century, you would use coals to cook food and boil water and that kind of thing. So what the author, the guy, a guy named Paul, what he's saying here is that when their coal starts to die out, you give them your coal. You know, he wants his readers to, to give the people who have hurt them something they don't have. So that's part of the statement which follows that is, is giving food and drink if that person's in need. But more important is verse 21. Don't let evil conquer you, but you conquer evil by doing good. There's a well-known Christian author and teacher named Joyce Meyer, and she's told this story that I'm about to share with you before many times. You might be familiar with it. But she had a father who raped her over 200 times during her childhood. It's crazy, right? She kept count of every instance, which is devastating. But for that rapist to be your own father, I mean, oh my gosh. You talk about unresolved pain, heavy burdens, bitterness, anger welling up within you year after year, right? Decades later, she, she felt the Lord really convict her over that last verse we read in Romans, verse 21. And her parents were... 
estranged and it's kind of separated. There, there, there was never any forgiveness offered on her father's part, but she felt that she was to do good to them. So she paid for their groceries. She paid for their insurance. She even built a home next to her house for them and took care of her father as he aged. Before her father died, he came to her one day just, just, just sobbing, and he asked for forgiveness. He gave his heart to Christ. She even got the chance to baptize him. Shortly thereafter, he passed away, but he passed into eternity, going into the presence of God. And for years, she says that she was sorry that this thing had happened to her, but now when she tells the story, she makes sure to let people know that she's no longer sorry all that happened because, because that happened, that suffering she endured, it led to her father's eternal salvation. See, that's the power of forgiveness. I don't know all your family history. I don't know what kind of pain you've suffered and perhaps what you've been brought up you know, here today that you've tried to forget, things you try to move on from, um, and you're feeling kind of broken and hurting. Listen, Matthew 10, 8 says this, that we're to give freely as we receive, right? So you'll never have to forgive someone more than God has forgiven you. He's forgiven you of your sin and your wrong, which to God is a great offense. So how much more then should we be willing to forgive those who've harmed us and who've wronged us? So pray for those who've hurt you. Bless those who've hurt you. Do good to those who've hurt you. Joseph tells his brothers in Genesis chapter 50, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. So if Joseph could forgive his brothers and see the good that God was bringing, if Joyce Meyer could forgive a father who raped her over and over as a little girl and see the good that God was bringing, then what about you? Can you see the good that God wants to bring to your family? through something that other people intended for harm and for evil. What if today you made a, a choice to forgive and allow God's healing to take place in your life? What if you could finally take the weight and the burden of the pain and hurt you've carried and hand it over to, to Christ? What kind of great work could God do in your family? Perhaps you never thought it was even possible that God could bring about healing, but what if He does simply because you choose today to forgive. I want to challenge you to do something that's going to take a lot of guts to do, right? And for some of you, it might take everything you have to pull it off. I don't want you just to pray for this person who wronged you. I want you to reach out to them this week. Let them know you've forgiven them. If you can't meet face-to-face, -face, I, I, I get that, especially if it's too difficult, then, then that's fine. Write a letter. Don't call. Don't text. Write a letter. Make it personal. Mail it to them. Let them know the harm they inflicted in the past, but you've forgiven them because God's forgiven you. Let them know the Lord's at work in your life, bringing healing to you, and He can bring the same thing to them if they allow God to do His work in their hearts too. And who knows? You might just see the power of forgiveness at work. As God changes you, and God also changes them. We pray for you today. So, Father, I thank you and praise you for each person who's watching and listening here today. I pray, Lord, that you would help them to walk through this process of forgiveness. It could be so difficult to forgive someone who harmed us, especially family whose hurts and harms can cut so deep, much deeper, I think, than you know, friends and acquaintances can. I, I pray, Lord, that for every family member who's, who's been wronged today, 
uh, who, who needs healing in their life, who needs forgiveness. I pray you would restore relationships. I pray, God, you would restore, uh, you know, uh, severed uh, relationships with fathers and sons, with daughters and mothers, Lord, with brothers and sisters. Father, I pray for forgiveness to take place and for healing. As we forgive, God, may you forgive uh, us. Starts with us, saying, Lord, we forgive those people who harmed us. We forgive those people who inflicted wrong on us. Lord, I, I pray that we get to a place where we can pray for those people who've inflicted such harm and pain, and we can bless them. Lord, that we can choose to do good to them. And in that process, bring about healing and reconciliation in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that with every story that takes place of reaching out to those who harmed us, Lord, letting them know they're forgiven, letting them know that you've brought about healing in our lives, you can bring it about in their life too. I pray, Lord, that you're glorified in every story. I pray you're glorified in every instance. And I pray you bring about healing and restoration and reconciliation with the families who are watching and listening out there here today. We thank you, we praise you, and we give you praise. And we ask all this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.